Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as periodic standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 209. Starting off with security news, Ring and Amazon are being sued by a man who said his camera was hacked, allowing an attacker to harass his children. The lawsuit also says that Ring doesn't let people use strong passwords or 2FA, which I think is an interesting point. And uh, hopefully, if this goes through, or at least if it gets somewhat far, it could be used as a precedent for making more vendors offer better security options. Of course, that's completely separate from people actually using security options, but it's good that they are there. This is actually part of our IoT top 10 is having good, strong uh, options available for security. So it's surprising to me, actually, that this is the case. If it is, I haven't actually confirmed that this lawsuit is correct, that they don't have these options. Of course, it all hinges on what they actually mean by complex passwords, like not allowing them. Uh, if they mean certain characters or certain length or complexity or, or whatever it is, but I will definitely be following this. Mean time to hardening is becoming popular as a security metric, which is the corollary of time to exploit for the defensive side. So if we're tracking how quick something moves from like, you know, theory to an actual uh, proof of concept or an exploit, you know, we should also map on the inside of an organization, how quickly can we go from, okay, we have this thing out there, how quickly can we patch the whole org for it? APT20 is evidently bypassing 2FA, that's air quotes bypassing, and some of their attacks, which is really a misnomer. It implies that the system is broken in some way and reminds me of saying that encryption is broken, when in most cases, what's actually being broken is the administration system or the implementation of these systems like leaving the keys lying around or having weak access control in the system that creates and validates keys or some other flaw with the system overall, not with the actual you know, encryption or 2FA. Looks like the same story here, although the details are a little muddy. Chinese man was arrested for walking around the exterior of a U.S. naval base and taking pictures with his camera phone. Well, I guess if this was government information gathering, it wouldn't be more overt than OPM or Marriott or Equifax or the dozens of others that China has been involved in. So why not just walk up to the gate and take pictures? Technology news, China is about to launch its final few GPS satellites in its fleet of 35 that allow it to break its reliance on the U.S.-based GPS system. Yeah, so it's weird to think that a country actually is affiliated with these types of systems. They seem very global, but GPS actually is a U.S. system. And China's using it for like their military and lots of other applications. And they don't like that. So they built their own and they're about to be done launching it. The work-based culture of the U.S. combined with capitalism have now merged to form slanted toilets. These are toilets that are inclined, so they're impossible to relax on. So now you're encouraged to get back to work. This is not the future we asked for. Human news, you must now be 21 to buy tobacco and vaping products in the U.S. 
The first measles case in 20 years has been reported in Austin, Texas. And 24 U.S. states are raising their minimum wages in 2020. I think California and like Washington are over like $13 an hour. Those are the two I noticed being the highest. Ideas, trends, and analysis. I wrote an essay called Comparing Offensive Security Tooling and Gun Control. You can check that out. And I wrote another piece called Why I'm Still Mad About Game of Thrones. Don't bother looking at it unless you're also really mad about Game of Thrones and uh, you're wondering why and you want a, a shared shoulder. And uh, I got an essay here, not mine, The Unreasonable Effectiveness of One-on-Ones, which is pretty cool. It's on HBR. 88% of Americans use a second screen while they watch TV. My read is that only the absolute best shows are better than social media in terms of like the dopamine hit. So it's it really is a competition, right? Your phone is calling to you. And if a scene, a particular scene, just a tiny little clip is boring, you check your phone and your consciousness keeps watching the TV. I, I've seen this multiple times. I don't actually do this usually, but... Um, I know someone who does do this, and they're basically looking away from the TV and listening, following it, but still on their phones. And if something interesting happens, they look, stop looking at their phone for however long it's over the watermark of perfect interest. And the moment it gets slightly dull, they go back to their phone, but they keep listening to the TV to see if they need to look up again. And uh, yeah, this is, um, this is fantastic. I mean, it, it shows you how high the bar is for attention right now. and. Uh, I don't know. It says something about what our attention requirement is. This, this is why I think something like a dopamine fast is starting to become a serious thing where it's like, how about we have no input whatsoever? We have no stimulation and we re-baseline what we find interesting and worth paying attention to. It's like maybe there's a sound of a bird chirping and otherwise complete silence. This is why I think mindfulness is taking off and, and uh, meditation in general um, well, the opposite, meditation and mindfulness in general. I think these are taking off because we've just been oversaturated. I was reading something about um, what happens when you have too much caffeine. It, your brain actually starts building additional receptors when you have too much caffeine. And it says, okay, we'll fill those up as well. Now fill those up as well. So you end up with tons more receptors, which you need more and more coffee to fill in order to get a fix. And uh, I, I think this is kind of heading in that direction. We just like, we're requiring way too much of our inputs. And I think it's going to start to be increasingly understood to be healthy that we need to clear all that out and reduce the baseline, lower the baseline of what actually we consider to be interesting. The Secret of Jewish Genius is a piece on New York Times. Gallup's top world findings for 2019, a big one just looking at this full list, was that uh, the U.S. is more unhappy in the last couple of years, more stressed, more angry um, in the last couple of years than they have been in quite some time, I think over the, more than the entire decade, which uh, this is a debate I have with a couple of my friends all the time about, you know, but the world's getting better and, you know, the world's awesome and Steve Pinker's book and things are just great. Well, why is the U.S. getting less happy, right? That, that's a question they have to answer. I think I know the answer, or at least part of the answer. Um, and it basically, the answer is not that things are better in some sort of numeric way, like w whatever it is, like fertility rate or 
or less people are starving in some part of the world. The, the brain doesn't care about those things. The brain only cares about itself, right? And that's why these surveys are so important. Because like if this had come back and said, yeah, everyone's just happier and people are happier in general, well, then I would admit that I was wrong, right? Because that, that's the data that we care about. My argument is not that is not about the state of particular metrics being better, right? Like more access to food or more access to healthcare, or it's cheaper to do this, or it's, you know, compared to a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago, you know, this is way better and it's better than it was, you know, last decade or two decades ago. There are tons of data on that that prove it inconclusive conclusively, right? And um, Pinker's book is full of it. Pinker's book is fantastic. And I don't actually disagree with Pinker's book. I only disagree with his conclusion that because of the data in his book, we should be happy because, or, or that we are happy. I, I can't remember the actual conclusion he's coming to, but the one that people are drawing from it is that we are happy and we should be happy because of all the data in Pinker's book. And it's just not the case. People care about People can only remember because of evolution. People can only remember like what happened immediately. I'm actually reading a book about this right now. It's called hedonic adaptation. Like evolution makes it so that the moment you experience something good, it instantly becomes the baseline. And now you're judged against that. And if you're not improving, then you're kind of failing. And especially this applies when you're comparing yourself to your peers and so-called competitors. If they're doing slightly better, you're doing worse, right? So there's lots of factors that can make those things make you feel like things are worse. In my sense, my sense for the last several years, and this is why I'm in this argument with everyone, or with a few of my friends, uh, especially around the Andrew Yang stuff. Andrew Yang agrees with me, where it's basically like, yeah, things are going bad. It's going to get worse. We need to get ready for this. And they're pointing at the Pinker book saying, no, it's better than it's ever been. You know, life is fantastic. And this Gallup data is is i think agreeing with me as well which is that people are more stressed people are more angry people are more upset now a big issue is how much of that is related to politics and the current politics and the current president and all of that there's a lot of strife there so maybe if that went away they would be right i don't know it's hard to break those two apart but i i think uh this does show that people aren't as happy as they have been and uh if pinker was right then this wouldn't be the case Updates, kind of a slow news week this week uh, with still being the holidays. I uh, did get my Model 3, which is pretty neat. It's like going from a flip phone to a BlackBerry or from a BlackBerry to their first iPhone. It's not actually that it's so great. because I mean, it's just a car, but it's that it makes everything before it seem ridiculously outdated. It just seems like what a car should have been. Um, so that's my feeling on it after a few days. Been working on my systems and goals for 2020, which isn't really a new list. I, I don't do actual resolutions, but uh, I use the holiday downtime as a good opportunity to review the current list. Like, what are your current priorities? Make adjustments, whatever. So, some of mine take piano lessons, learn the basics of Logic Pro. And again, a couple of people reached out to me before um, who knew some Logic Pro. If, if you're an expert, please hit me up again. I, I want to take you up on this. Uh, write the outline for my new book on meaning and happiness creation and the systems around that. That's what my next book is going to be about. Read at least four books a month. Uh, create my first EDM track and write at least one short story. So a lot of creation-based stuff looks like. 
And there's a whole, whole bunch of others, but that's the main vibe. Uh, what are yours? Got a link here in the newsletter for you to share yours with me if you like. And of course, we could talk about them on Twitter or whatever if you want. Discovery, how to ask for an email introduction. Where do I see designers go once they peak? Endless SSH, but it's like endless endless SSH, kind of clever. An SSH tar pit that traps SSH clients into a super long banner exchange. Cap1Me, a vulnerable cloud configuration that demonstrates the Capital One vulnerability. And what? A CLI tool for seeing what's using their bandwidth. I think I use IFTOP for this on Linux. Recommendations. Read Atomic Habits. I've read probably 15 books on habits over the last 10 years, and this is by far the best one. And the aphorism for the week. You can only convince people who think they can benefit from being convinced. You can only convince people who think they can benefit from being convinced. Nassim Taleb. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe ads are not just annoying, but that their incentive structure is toxic to the content creation process. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter each week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here in the podcast. They also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmeesler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. Each of you is helping support a model of content creation that we really need right now. And I appreciate you greatly. We'll see you next time.